Welcome to Absurdist Asylum, a very special edition of Absurdist Asylum. We're here in the official, unofficial studios of the podcast. Uh, I'm here, as always, joined by my co-host, Brad Cousy. Brad, how are you doing today? Good. How about you? Oh, no complaints here. Um, I'm just uh, happy to be here, happy to see your smiling face. Uh, and speaking of happy, today's episode, we watched The Happy Time Murders. If you don't know about this movie, it's The Muppets... In real life L.A. And there are no holds barred when it comes to adult humor. Brad, had you seen this movie before we spoke about it? Uh, yeah, so me and my twin brother went and watched it in the theaters. And I just I died laughing. Uh, you hit it right on the head when you said uh, it really channels that whole Muppets. It's like Muppets mixed with the HR or with the uh, rated R rating. There's a lot of... Don't take your kids to this movie is what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, um, this movie was actually made by Brian Henson, who is the son of the Jim Henson, who uh, created the Muppets and uh, had a hand in creating Sesame Street. And Sesame Street actually sued this movie for, uh, let me make sure I get this right, uh, sued them for tarnishing the brand, uh, specifically because in one of the trailers, they used the tagline, All Sesame, No Street. I don't think that anything really came of this movie. It seemed like a pretty frivolous lawsuit considering that, you know, Greg the Bunny did a very similar thing when it came to puppets like that. And uh, it didn't, you know, it didn't exactly, it, like, the the tagline was specifically, like, this isn't Sesame Street. So I don't know if that went anywhere. I didn't get, get that far in my, my research hole. It's mainly brand recognition. A lot of TV shows and movies, when they start even just mentioning the other brand name, you can get sued for it. So you usually try to stay away from that. And I'm actually surprised they even went with that tagline because they, they had to have known they might have gotten sued. Yeah, I think uh, especially knowing that Brian Henson had a hand in creating this, he was inspired to do a movie like this because he does have an adult puppet show like live in Las Vegas. Uh, and he said it actually from the idea of making this movie – to the point where it actually got made, it took them six years to secure the financing because he didn't want, like he said, that this movie wasn't possible on a low budget. And you see some of the puppets and how they're like worked into the world that we know, uh, maybe not know personally as in LA, but you can tell that this movie was created on some money. Definitely had a budget. There's, there's a lot of scenes throughout the whole movie. Even just the cast alone had to be, at least a quarter of the budget. I mean, you got Melissa McCarthy in there. Uh, I can't remember who some of the other puppets are, but there's a lot of famous people that voice the, the characters of a lot of the puppets. Yeah, Maya Rudolph was Maya one Rudolph. in this. Uh, Elizabeth Banks was another famous person that I was surprised to see in this movie. And, you know, you got to kind of wonder how they get these names. Melissa McCarthy, I'm sure, was the big draw. They said that uh, they wanted her specifically because she does so well with these types of movies. It's a... Kind of like a, a love story to noir films and like the classic buddy cop. Um, and Melissa McCarthy said herself that she loves doing movies about cops because she's got a lot of family members in her in her family that are cops. And so she loves that dynamic between partners and she could see that in her everyday life. She's been a, <clears throat> I think she's been a cop, a detective and at least in five or six movies that I've seen. So yeah, the she's, one the, she's now got that kind of role built into her acting career. Yeah, the one that I could think of specifically was Heat with Sandra Bullock, and she... That's great. The roles were kind of reversed, because in this movie, our main character 
uh, oh my god, Frank. I remember his last name. I don't remember. The puppet's name is Frank, the main puppet. And he's kind of like a disgraced cop. You get the story that he ruined the idea of puppets being cops in this city for all puppets because he supposedly missed a shot that he was supposed to take that was against another puppet. So the whole narrative went out that puppets aren't going to shoot other puppets when it comes right down to it. So there is like a, not only like puppet racism within the police force itself, but you can kind of see it in the everyday kind of almost B-roll shots that they shoot for, not necessarily B-roll because they were set up specifically for the movie to kind of give that idea. But you can tell that like people treat puppets shitty in this city and that's just kind of the norm. Yeah, they, they kind of really float that line of like almost racism just between the whole dynamic of puppets and humans. But, I mean, there's so many movies that do that these days, like Bright on Netflix with Will Smith and Joel Edgerton. That was kind of floating the lines. It's actually kind of the same story plot line. Yeah, and they had, I mean, like it's, it was done with Disney and Zootopia in, in, a, in a different sense of the word. But, yeah, I think uh, having this movie start off on the the ground that puppets and humans aren't equal set in motion the the plot uh as to what starts actually creating the story other than just this background that we get between melissa mccarthy who was the partner who essentially told everyone that you know puppet cops aren't going to shoot other puppets because she was being held hostage by i don't think the name of the puppet was important she was being held hostage and Frank winds up missing his shot and uh, accidentally killing another puppet. Yeah, I would say that a lot of movies these days are really kind of floating that line of more realism. And so by having that dynamic, it not only sets up the tone in the whole movie, but it's what drives the whole movie forward. And then as you go through, you know, the first and the second and the third act, you kind of get that whole dynamic. Yeah, so I have this written off as as a bad movie. Like you watch the trailers and it's, it just it looked childish, and there are certainly parts in this movie that were childish, even though it was definitely adult humor. Um, but you said you went and saw it in theaters, and I, when I was trying to watch this for the podcast, I was like to you know include my wife and my friends when they're around, and I was like, hey, you guys want to watch the Happy Time Murders? And I could not get anybody to watch this movie with me, except for you, Brad, of course. Yeah, actually, it was a packed movie theater when we went. We went. And- it was three weeks after it opened, and I thought, like, oh, man, like, it's going to be a nice open theater, and it was still pretty packed. So, I mean, it did pretty well, I believe. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, this movie really did have a lot of good pieces. Like, they had an interesting, you know, background for this character. They had, like we already spoke about, great actors and actresses in these parts. It, it had... Um, a compelling world. Like I said, the the world felt lived in because it's a place we already know. And they just kind of made the effort to, you know, take out certain parts and add puppets, which, you know, I, I, if you're doing a movie like this, that's gotta be probably your main goal is like, this can't feel campy. Like it can't be just, Oh, there's puppets on top of this. It, the world has to feel like you're like, it, it goes on beyond the movie. I think another thing that we might not have mentioned was it's not just puppets being in the movie. This is a puppet action movie, and there's not many of those out there. Even the Muppet movies weren't very, you know, thrilling. They were just kind of like, hey, here's Kermit and here's Miss Piggy. Where this one's like, there's more action. There's chase scenes. There's 
it's like living the life of a police officer, but puppets are now in it. So I think for me, that's why I really wanted to watch it because this just really hasn't been done before, especially in an R rated type. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there that it wasn't something that we had seen before. So having uh, having such high effort be put into what would be perceived visually as just like a child's gag, uh, you know, just saying puppets on screen with people. You're like, oh, this is fucking, you know, it's, it's Sesame Street or whatever the case may be. It's legally distinct from Sesame Street. We should touch on that. But uh, don't sue us. <laughs> don't sue us. Um, but yeah, I think that the the effort that went into this movie is really what makes you appreciate it, especially. You know, you get a cut at the very end where they show a couple of the behind the scenes and you see that, you know, they they built sets that were big enough to accommodate having a human like below the ground so they could have their hand up and be working the puppets and the green screen effects that they put into this movie. I didn't I didn't realize until watching some of the behind the scenes just how much green screen was put into this movie, because not only do they have to edit out the puppeteers. But they've got to, I mean, some of the sets that I thought were real, there's a scene where they, uh, the main character, Frank, and Elizabeth Banks' character meet up in this dark alley. That whole place was green screened, and I did not realize that until seeing the scene in some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, I've worked with puppets a little bit. A buddy of mine at the film school shot a, a whole feature, a short film based on a puppet, and I'll tell you what, the lighting... Lighting a care like a person with flesh is so much more difficult versus lighting it like it's completely different from lighting a puppet because puppets don't have like that that glimmer that sheen that comes off of us and so I, I always remember watching the movie the second time and thinking like how the fuck did they light this and even like get it to look good yeah and so you mentioned flesh I guess that kind of is a roundabout way of getting us into the actual plot of this movie. There is a show that was like a beloved show back in the day. It was the first time puppets and humans had ever worked together on TV called the Happy Time Gang, mm-hmm. right? The Happy Time Gang. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way that our main character is embroiled into this is that his brother was a character on the Happy Time Gang. And it's funny, they make a little joke like how he's become too fake by hanging out in Hollywood too much. And he's actually bleached his skin or bleached his his fur or whatever like yeah the the fabric that makes up the puppet uh to be more and more pale to look more and more human and he's clearly gotten a nose job since the show came out and it's just funny how they like oh you're so phony you're such you're such a hollywood type and how they play that in and um how they make that a thing for puppets like you only see it that one time but it's funny to think that's just like a procedure that puppets have done to to blend in more, even though there's no way that you're not going to recognize that this isn't a puppet. Well, that's a real thing they do in Hollywood too. A lot of actors and actresses, <clears throat> they will bleach their skin to be more of a, like more white because they think they're going to have a better career if they're closer to white than they are within their ethnicity. And so like, that's the, I thought that was actually pretty humorous how they added that in somebody who wrote this or whoever produced it must've like had that idea and said like, Hey, this is a real thing. We got to throw it in there. How how they even thought of that? Like, hey, let's bleach a puppet. <laughs> yeah, um, and so at at this point in the movie, we find out that uh, Frank is a disgraced ex-cop. He is, um, you know, 
kind of a pariah when it comes to being on the force. And he, I forget how he gets there. He's following up a lead on the first murder that occurs. And he winds up at a porno shop. And in this porno shop, not only are they like filming a, a tentacle porn slash, I don't know what to call it, where there's just like an octopus like jerking off all of the cow's udders, which is like, if you took your kid to this movie, which I, I hear happened reading some of the reviews, like people took their kids to this movie <laughs> thinking that, I don't, I don't know what they thought. Like, how do you watch the trailer? I hope maybe they didn't watch the trailer, but... Like that's that's the the line in the sand where you should walk out. Like I don't know how some of the reviews of parents that I saw in there made it all the way to the sex scene later in the movie before they realized that <laughs> this wasn't the kids' movie. But yeah, so there's a, there's an octopus jerking off the cow's udders, and the guy is looking for a very specific uh, porno mag that uh, uh, the suspect was like. I forget the suspect had a connection to. And so he asked the porno shop owner, like, do you have a list of names of all the people who have bought this porno mag? And the owner goes, oh, of course, we're NSA compliant, which just just tickled my insides because that was that was hilarious. Like, you know, the idea of going to a porno shop and having to register with the NSA what magazine you buy is is pretty, pretty uh, uproarious. And that's actually one of my favorite scenes that happens there. And we'll touch on it here in a minute, but. This is where the action really starts to pick up and it really starts to separate. Like, this is a completely different movie. Yeah, I, I think that the the fact that, oh, and then there was the dog scene with the dog and the firefighter. Where oh, was, I forgot about that. Part. Yeah, there was a puppet dog who was like whipping and biting this firefighter changed to a bed while he's digging through all the records of this porno shop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, like that's a scene where if you weren't watching it to like get to the end, which. I, don't know, I can't turn on a movie without finishing it. Like, that's just not my thing. But that's a point where I might have turned it off because it's just like, I don't know that I need this in my life where I'm just watching a, a puppet dog biting a, like a real firefighter's nipples and making him scream. But so, yeah, it gets into the action of the movie. And this porno shop gets essentially what looks like a holdup or a robbery. But then... This masked character, we don't even really get a, a full like body shot. We just kind of get shots of, you know, a robed character in this porno shop, and starts blasting away all these puppets. And I don't know what you'd expect when a, when a puppet gets shot in a film, but they <laughs> did it perfectly. It looked like they exploded a stuffed animal and just cotton everywhere. <laughs> they they destroy the. The bunny who was there, who was also part of the Happy Time gang, and the shop owner, and the two puppets that were filming the uh, the, the cow porno in the back. <laughs> and it was uh, quite the scene. It, it, it really, I think if you made it to that part, you're like, you, you give this movie another chance. You're like, all right, they if you're going to do the puppet murder scene, you did it right. So I think I think that worked out really in their favor. I think that there's always a part, usually it's anywhere between five and ten minutes of a movie. It's called The Hook. And it's it's the moment where, okay, do you have my attention or am I going to check out and go watch something else? And for me, that was The Hook. And that, that really helped me like, all right, I got to see where the rest of this goes. Yeah, A Hook indeed. So, of course, just like any cop movie, the 
our main character gets is not necessarily pinned for the murders, but the cops do find it suspicious that like, what is this guy doing here? And how is he the only one that survives? And so he's kind of on the cops radar. Uh, Joe McHale shows up as an FBI agent who, I don't know whether you like or don't like Joe McHale is, is up to you, but he does become the butt of the joke throughout the thing. Like it's, it's pretty clear that there's like a cops versus FBI sentiment like you do see in a lot of other movies. But uh, I can only imagine that doing those types of scenes with a puppet that's giving you your back and forth is maybe one of the more difficult things to do in acting. Melissa McCarthy said that it actually she was very worried about having that kind of interaction with the fake object. But by the end of the movie, she was just talking to the Frank puppet as if, he, I mean, he was just the 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 actor. Uh, she was worried she was going to be talking to the puppeteer, and she was like, "Oh, by the time it was done, like he was my buddy. I was I was friends with Puppet Frank." I can totally understand that because when actors work together, they kind of build like a mini bond while they're rehearsing, and so they kind of know like their tales back and forth, and they know when to say their line. But when you have a puppet that has no emotion, no facial, you know. Uh, stigments like how are you supposed to read that thing you can't it's a puppet it's not moving so i also read that that melissa mccarthy she was talking to the director at some point and i researched this part she was talking to the director and she was like hey i I don't know how you want me to play some of these scenes like i'm supposed to be you know one of these scenes she's that gets really excruciatingly high and we'll probably talk about that later but like she's like how am i supposed to interact with all these fake characters i'm the only person in the scene and basically he just said ah, just do whatever you think whatever thing's gonna work and surprisingly like they had very low amount of takes she just nailed it every single time and she i think it's just because she just gave in to the whole i'm here with puppets and here we go we'll see what happens i don't think anyone knew how this movie was going to turn out until it was finally edited but you know watching those behind the scenes i can't tell other than like one of the jackass movies or or something ridiculous along those lines. I can't tell if there's another movie where people had more fun making it. Like, all the behind the scenes, like, everybody's trying not to crack up. Everybody's laughing as soon as the director yells cut. Melissa McCarthy's just, like, like shit-talking with the puppets off-scene as if they were a, a real person. And, you know, it's like, you gotta give her credit. Like, Melissa McCarthy isn't exactly my favorite actor, but she does, you know, take this role head on and, and kind of give it her all. And people, like, gave her a lot of flack about this movie. And I can understand why, because, you know, it's a fucking puppet, adult puppet movie. But I think she really made the movie what it was. Yeah, I, I don't think, when I saw the trailer, if I didn't see Melissa McCarthy, I don't know if I would have watched it. I don't know who else they would have even gotten to be the headliner for this. So the fact that they even got her and that she signed on, I, it sold it for me. Yeah, and you know, this movie was nominated for six 2018 Razzies. And if you don't know what the Razzies are, they're like just kind of some mean awards for like the worst movies out there. And Melissa McCarthy herself was nominated for most calamitous performance by a woman in 2018. And the movie was nominated for top five cinematic casualties of 2018. And it's like, I don't know, it seemed like an easy target. After actually watching the movie, 
and having the opinion of it that I did, knowing that everybody just shat all over this after the fact, it seems like, I want to say like picking on the weak kid at school, because I don't want to say that this movie was meek, weak, but, you know, it's like puppets aren't going to fight back. You know, it's like <laughs> no matter what you say about the, you know, the puppet, you're not going to have to worry about the blowback from some actor. Maybe Melissa McCarthy, but I'm sure she caught plenty of shit from Ghostbusters and just learned to keep her mouth shut uh, when it comes to, like, or learned to ignore that kind of stuff when it comes to negative feedback. And so it's like it seemed like you could easily find something that was more worth your time if you're going to shit on something. I actually just had a thought. It would, it would be really hilarious if they had... Like, right after all the blowback happens in the movie, they have the main character, Frank Puppet, like, in an interview. Mm-hmm. And, like, some someone from, like, TMZ is interviewing the puppet, and then he just starts talking shit about all the humans. That would have been hilarious. I wish they would, somebody would have done that. Yeah, just like, um, I want to say Triumph, the cowardly dog, but I know that's not right. But try out <laughs> the, the comic dog from... Um, Conan. Conan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he just, like, he, he, all he does is talk shit to people. I mean, I miss Triumph. <laughs> yeah that's good good puppets interaction there so you mentioned that uh they they kind of go they're they're investigating these murders and melissa mccarthy and her former partner team up again to kind of get to the bottom of this and they go to find another member ex-member of the happy time gang show and it turns out he's in with a seedy crowd he's in with like what you would equivalent to like a puppet gang and they hang out at like a seedy bar and bet and do drugs and things like that almost kind of like a mob yeah almost because at this point frank has uh inferred that it wasn't just a robbery gone wrong at this porno shop it was a hit and he guessed that it was the the bunny who was there who happened to be part of the happy time gang back in the day as well so they go visit this guy, and we learn that Melissa McCarthy is actually part puppet because after she was shot by the guy who took her hostage, she had to have a liver replaced and was dragged into um, a puppet hospital, essentially. So instead of you know waiting for an ambulance getting her to a person's hospital, they take her to the puppet hospital where they replace her liver with a puppet liver. Uh, and in order to prove that this is the case, because these these CD puppets don't want to be hanging out with a human, especially a human cop, in order to prove that this is the case, they make her do a line, a giant-ass line of sugar, uh, which they says is like ecstasy to a puppet liver, to a puppet in general, but because of her liver, it should, this will kill a human, but to a puppet, it's pure ecstasy. This is, this is probably one of my favorite scenes, because... Uh, she's like trying to prove herself, even though she doesn't really have to, like she's the police. She doesn't have to do shit. But I think a part of her wants to like, you can see it in her character. A part of her wants to like kind of mend that whole relationship between her and Frank and and the whole puppet community. But when she takes it, oh my God, it, this is, I guess I one of my favorite scenes. So she snorts the whole line of sugar and she passes out and everyone thinks, oh damn shit, we killed her. We just killed a cop. And then she wakes up out of nowhere, kind of freaking the fuck out and being like, oh, that's some good shit. And 
she lives. And so that's how she proves that she's a puppet. And then they kind of trust her. Then they start giving her information about what, you know, start answering her questions. So I got bad news. We fucked up pretty badly. It's not Frank. It's Phil Phillips. Oh, the name my of God. The Frank, Phil, generic white name. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you've made it this far without leaving a comment, uh, congratulations. You've got more self-restraint than most on the Internet. Yeah. So she, like, gets down on this, the sugar and comes to and just and this is like one of the background scenes that you can see behind the scenes of she's just having like a raucous good time with these puppets and uh while phil is like investigating in the background she's kind of distracting them by playing cards with them and doing more drugs and drinking syrup as if it's like whiskey which i thought was hilarious the fact that later on in the movie we find out she's got like a sugar addiction and one of the characters like goes through her fridge and just starts dumping out bottles of syrup. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's a good great part too. But during this scene when I when Frank, you know, sorry, not Frank, when Philip, Phil, whatever his name is, Phil Phillips. Phil Phillips is uh is trying to get the information so they can get the hell out of there. If I remember correctly when I read this article, they let her just kind of say whatever the hell she wanted. She was, she was completely off the cuff. And they did take after take after take. And every take kept getting better and funnier and better and funnier. And so eventually they walked away with like the best things that weren't even scripted. And then I dug a little bit farther. And that's actually a lot of her own lines. Were the lines that she asked the director, hey, can I, can I just try something? And they went with her idea most of the time. So that alone makes her a little bit more invested in this because she essentially wrote her own lines. Yeah, and you know, Melissa McCarthy, one of her breakout roles is in Gilmore Girls. And if you know anything about Gilmore Girls, that movie is all dialogue all the time. Like, you could turn the TV off and just have the sound running and would know exactly what's going on in Gilmore Girls because they just talk, 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 talk. And it's, that's one thing that people love about that show. And that's one thing that I have to assume that Melissa McCarthy is good at is just kind of like ad-libbing and keeping a conversation rolling. And... A lot of the times in her movies, her lines are scripted and you don't really get to see that side of her. But when she's obviously when she's sitting with puppets and I I would assume that the people who are playing the puppets, because it's the puppeteer who's actually voicing the puppet of Phil. I don't know if that's the same for all the puppets, but the main character is he not only working a puppet, but he's he's ad living back and forth with Melissa as this puppet. So I think like there's there's a lot of things about this movie below the surface level that give you more respect for it when, after you've watched it. And I, like I said, I, I think that all the hate on this is just like, it's an easy target. Like everybody compared this to Sausage Party, which I don't think it was. I think Sausage Party was, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't my favorite movie. Neither was this. I'm not going to go watch this again anytime soon, considering the fact that I've watched it a couple times. But I think I would watch this before I watch Sausage Party any day. Yeah, I, I had a lot more fun watching this and I enjoyed myself a lot more with this than I did Sausage Party. Sausage Party just seemed like one of those, one of those, those, the, oh, this is definitely a Seth Rogen movie or, you know, they've got, uh, what's his name? Nick, the Nick Krull's in there playing the douche cup. Like, come on. Like, of course they're going to have something like that, but this was a little bit more out of the box and unusual. And that's why it piqued my interest. But going through, you know, getting to the rest of the, throughout the rest of the movie, I can't remember what happens directly after they leave. Um, it's those two, it's those two puppets that hit on her. With Maya, Maya Rudolph, I think. 
Oh, are you talking about the the crab and the yeah yeah? So there's a scene where uh, Melissa McCarthy is investigating on it looks like uh, Long Beach or um, uh, kind of near Muscle Beach in Santa. I don't know, one of those fucking California hippie towns. Um, <laughs> but they are there's like a, a a crab and a warthog looking puppet that are just like. <laughs> they're just uh, like really like bad at flirting with her and like sending out horrible lines and she picks up the crab and like boots it down the the beach. <laughs> uh, we've skipped over kind of where uh, we've definitely skipped over the plot in Phil's office where this uh, they like I want to say attractive puppet, but it, it wasn't like physically attractive to me, but you could tell that's what they were going for comes in and kind of does that whole noir thing like i've got a problem and i can i need somebody to help me and she's uh looking for a detective and tells him that somebody is bribing her because she's a sex fiend and wants to just basically like expose the fact that she's a sex fiend and it's like you you can already tell where this is gonna go it doesn't happen right there but she visits him again and in this visit, uh, we meet Maya Rudolph, who is Phil's secretary. And you can kind of tell she's got like a little bit of an affinity for Phil. Uh, kind of a, maybe you could call it an attraction. Maybe she just like feels motherly towards him. But you can tell there's something that's not being said going on there. And the, <laughs> the scene I'm sure everybody knows about in the trailer, uh, I'm sure it was on any review that you would see of this movie, is the puppet sex scene. Now, I don't know where you have to be in your head to write a puppet sex scene, to write one that's this explicit, but, man, did they really go for it. Brad, you got any, you got any thoughts on this? Do you want to critique a sex scene for the first time on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first critique sex scene that has to do with puppets. Um... Well, first off, I would say, I wonder, like, during the writing process, however they came up with the idea of, hey, let's do a sex scene. Because back in the old, you know, film noir days, there was always the detective in a darkly lit room and a beautiful woman comes in. And like Jason was saying, like, she needs help. And there's always that attraction. Well, I always wonder, like, when they wrote this sex scene, was it supposed to be funny? Or did they write it, like, legitly romantic? And then it was just too fucking weird. And then, like, we got to, like, we got to make this funny. Um, but from beginning, from beginning to end, the pup, you know, the, the girl puppet comes in and starts kind of putting on the moves and the detective Phillips just kind of like not into it. And then at some point, like he kind of like falls under her gaze. There's a lot of close up shots of like the puppets, like cleavage with like fabric cleavage, cleavage and like the, the big pushy red lips and the hair. And at some point, I, I think she makes the move on him. I can't remember. Yeah, she like throws his leg up over her leg over his shoulder. That's as what they're it was. getting ready to leave. Yeah, and, uh, and then they just kind of just get into it. And imagine taking two socks on your hands and slamming <laughs> them together. That's pretty much how this sex scene works. That was it, it. You know, it's like that's like another scene where it just it looked like they were having too much fun making it. They're cracking up behind the scenes. They're ha- trying to keep a straight face. They have, this is one of the things that made me realize just how much CGI, or not, uh, there was how much green screen was in this movie, is they had a guy in a green screen suit with 
uh, a stick attached to the girl puppet's tongue that was like a foot and a half long. And he like just gently like licks it up and down Phil's face. And and you would could never tell like watching the movie that there's like in the actual shot, there's a whole dude in a green suit behind them. Uh, doing the action. Yeah, doing yeah. the action. It's like you could tell there's something a little weird about how the tongue moves. That's There's another thing about this movie is a lot of the puppet movements – you can tell there's something not quite right. Some people were thinking that it was like they had a dude in a puppet suit and then they scaled up the image behind him to make it look like smaller. But you could tell it was like just the way that they were moving. There was something not quite right. And seeing the behind the scenes stuff, you can you can tell what it was is that they had to like green screen out all the people that were moving these puppets. But I don't think it detracts from the movie at all. What some people say distracts from, detracts from the movie is... Uh, the silly string incident. Which, the finish. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> <laughs> it gets to the point where obviously that all sex does is it comes to an end, and, comes to and an end. yeah, and in <laughs> in true, I don't know. This is this was like a stroke of genius, or just like I don't I, I don't know how to describe it. But they have just like a can of silly string underneath the puppet. You can't see it, but it, it's like indicates that like. He's coming and there's just like silly string going everywhere. Uh, and then I think the part that got me the most was the fact that he like stops and he's like, oh God, oh God. Oh, and he goes off again. And there's just like silly string all over the walls. <laughs> and Maya Rudolph sitting in the, the other room where they can hear everything. The FBI and the chief of police is there and she just pulls out a bottle of cleaning solution and sits it on the desk like she's done this before. Like, she's getting ready to go in there and clean up afterwards. We forgot I mentioned that part. So, in the middle, just before the puppets start to start having sex, the FBI come in and they're like, we want to talk to Philip. And she's like, oh, well, he's in a meeting right now. And I, I can't remember. I he Joe McHale says something. And then right then and there, it cuts to Maya Rudolph. And in the background... Philip has a as a glass door, like a frosted glass door. And he says something, and then the puppets get slammed up against the glass door, and they're humping against the glass window. And like he's just like sh- kind of shell-shocked, but Maya, Maya Rudolph's just sitting there like, oh, this happens all the time. Yeah, he says, because uh, uh, you can clearly hear what's going on in the other room. And he goes, is that what I think it is? And then, bam, they slam up against the glass. <laughs> and they... <laughs> They, it's like, yeah, that's exactly what you think it is. Hands down, my favorite scene in the movie, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah, I think I think at this point you're already along for the ride, so having having that scene go as far as it did is probably just like icing on the maybe bad choice of words. <laughs> but um, so yeah, after this, I think the movie does kind of like knuckle down and get a little bit more into the plot. Phil's brother who's actually part of the happy time gang is also murdered in this. And at this point we already definitely know their murders like, and we can see the, the character who's uh, the shrouded character basically open up a series of dog kennels and <laughs> just let the dogs loose in this guy's like rich house where he's sitting in his hot tub and, it, it, you know, you have a favorite scene in the movie. I think this is my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> this is good, too. Is that the, the, the dogs literally just grab him out of the hot tub and start tearing him up like he's just a chew toy. Which, I think that was a stroke of genius as far as 
like how do we kill this character oh we know we just let the dogs tear him up because he looks just like a chew toy like my dog fucking loves stuffed animals and destroys them just as fast as they did it in that and watching the behind the scenes it's actually like they actually just like gave dogs a puppet like that to just tear up which i thought was hilarious so yeah it's like clearly now we have multiple characters from the happy time gang being murdered uh we forgot to mention that the guy that they went and saw at the ce like biker bar got shot up just outside the bar uh with phil standing right there and while melissa mccarthy's like having fun and partying on all these on the sugar so i forget who was oh elizabeth banks oh yeah so one of the last remaining characters from the Happy Time Gang is the human on the show who's played by Elizabeth Banks. And Phil kind of goes into this little rant about how they used to have a thing for each other. We do kind of see in a flashback they kissed, but it doesn't really indicate that it was like more than just like a good luck kiss type thing. But now we know that they used to have a thing for each other and they were in a pretty serious relationship from what it sounded like. But he goes to find her and she's stripping <laughs> she's stripping at a puppet bar and there's rabbits like lined up at the bottom of the the dance table and they're putting out money for her and she starts just like peeling a carrot onto the <laughs> rabbit as if she's doing like some puppet bukkake show and <laughs> i was like that that's what surprised me most is that elizabeth banks who at this point had already directed like the power rangers movie and Pitch Perfect 2 allowed herself to be put in this situation, which, I don't know, I guess there, there becomes a point where you, you don't take yourself so seriously and you know you're signing up for something fun. And I think that's that's the biggest draw to this movie, is it just looked like people were having fun. I know I've said that 16 times, but... It is called the Happy Time Murders. Yeah, and it's like, one, you're working with Brian Henson. Jim Henson's been dead for a long time. Like, you know that there's only a certain amount of these movies are going to be made because, you know, Henson is, is still owned by whoever owns Henson. I want to say Disney, but yeah, I think so because they're on ABC. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like this isn't something that's going to come around a lot. And because it's not under the, like, Jim Henson name, uh, you know that you're still having it done by his son who is – you know, obviously probably been around the craft longer than anybody as far as puppetry goes. Probably as long as he's been alive. Just the opportunity to make something like this, it, it, it can't come around very often. This is probably where he decided, I need to make something now before I'm not able to make something like this again. And even if it doesn't put him on the map, I think he just wants to have fun. And when you're talking about Elizabeth Banks, you know, why she would even sign on to do this. <clears throat> I would think it's because... At some point when you get to that that celebrity status in your career and you've just busted your ass day and night to get to that status, you just want to have fun now. Like you've, you've made it. Like you're not like – you're past your prime. You just want to do whatever the hell you want to do now. You've got a bunch of money. You've got a bunch of talent. Someone will make a movie with you. So you just – you pick a fun movie and you have a good time. And that's why a lot of actors after the age of 35, 40, that's where they start getting more – less serious roles and getting more – you know, whatever they want to do. Yeah. So uh, after they kind of catch up at the strip club and he's walking her out to her car, <laughs> she gets into the car and he turns around, starts walking away and the car explodes. So she's dead. He kind of rules her out as a suspect. 
Now, did, was there a point in this movie that you thought you were like onto onto the plot? A lot of crime movies, I always think I know who it is, and not saying that just because I go to film school, I'm usually pretty accurate. But I usually am pretty accurate. But this one was a little bit harder for me to judge. I only kind of thought it was her right up until this point because because at, at this point I thought, oh well, she probably died. But then I thought in the back of my head, well, that's a little overplayed, and they do that all the time in other crime shows. So then that actually kind of made me think it's probably her and she's going to come back at the end at some point. But my my twin brother was like, he had no idea. He's like, well, it couldn't have been her. She died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't think that, I think that's part of the fun of watching like a crime or mystery movie is to try and figure out where, you know, if you can figure it out before the movie's over. And yeah, the suspicion was on Elizabeth Banks. For anybody who's watching it, she, you know, goes from, this uh, famous TV star on a show that everybody watches and now she's stripping. And you kind of find out that one of the motivations behind all of this is that the contract that's written up for the Happy Time Gang, each living member gets the contract for the people who have already passed. And they're writing this assuming that it's going to come with old age. But it gets divided up among the living members as opposed to just like, oh, that percentage disappears the percentage of the remaining contract gets divided up among the living members. So that's why Frank thinks that people are going after this happy time murders gang. Um, so yeah, now that she's gone, I don't think there are any more people left. Oh no, there's this is one last, was it called goober or whatever? Like it's just a weird, like uh kind of raggedy looking puppet. I can't remember. What I don't know what the is. hell he really was, but um, yeah. And so Melissa McCarthy, that's why she's on the Santa Monica pier uh, or the long beach or wherever it may be is she's looking for this character who is the last living character of the Happy Time Gang. And she finds him in just like another cracked in. And uh, he's also murdered, which leaves no living members. But the way he's murdered is he's drowned by this this uh, puppet character. And when they pull him out of the water, they pull his body out of the water, they just like wring him out like a towel, <laughs> which was... I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> the mind who came up with all these different ways to abuse puppets, I hope that his insurance affords him therapy because they're, they're quite funny, but also, you know, kind of disturbing. I kind of like the way they did that because, I mean, not, not kind of, I love the way they did that because when you watch like, I don't know, like Law & Order or CSI, there's always an episode where there's a body in the water and they drag it out and they... You know, they kind of be really ginger with touching it and they put it up in a body bag. The cop just walks up and just picks it up by the foot and just rings it out like it's nothing, like it's a rag. Mm-hmm. And then I think they toss it in the back of a car. I can't remember what happens. Yeah, so now that yeah, they, do, they don't treat it like a body, they treat, yeah. they treat it like a piece of trash. Which kind of, you know, it, it, it plays into that whole, like, puppets are not the same as us. Yeah, it definitely plays into the idea that people uh, don't like puppets. So there are two more members of the Happy Time Murders left. There's a brother and sister duo who you find out kind of earlier on in the movie that they were just like, banging the whole time that they were doing the happy timers, which is just another like layer to throw on this. Like WTF cake is just like, Oh, there's puppet incest now too. And so the Frank and, and, and uh, Edwards, that is Melissa McCarthy's character's name, not Frank, Philip, Philip, uh, and uh, Edwards go to this barbecue rib slash 
church that these two incestuous puppets own and they go and they obviously do like the police come to the door type thing but then they hear screaming inside and so they go investigate one goes to the front one goes to the back and Melissa McCarthy's character comes upon this room full of kids a room with two kids in it they're just like screaming into a mirror for whatever reason and she gets their attention and they turn around and you can see that they're like inbred puppets uh, because these two these two incestuous puppet characters who uh, they had children apparently is, is the <laughs> implication there. But yeah, one's got one eye and the other one's got three eyes, and I mean <laughs> just just going there with puppets. The, the fact that somebody had to make that it puts a smile on my face. Not that I'm like happy about incest, but it cracks me up that they did that. Somebody got paid to do that. Yeah, somebody got paid. It's like living the dream, and you know. <laughs> So yeah, they get there and they they find out that those two characters have already been murdered, which leaves nobody left on the Happy Time Gang. And I forget exactly how the transition happens, but we come back to the police station and we find out that this like buxom puppet who hired Phil to investigate this blackmailing case is now in the police station telling the cops that Phil was actually the one who murdered all these people. And, and like, so she, she's ratting on him, telling telling the cops that it was all him. And in the course of this interview that they're giving her, they basic instinct a puppet. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it other than like, she like does the leg crossover and she flashes her vagina badge, which is just like, vagina vag her puppet vag which is just like covered in purple muff fur she also has purple hair too doesn't she no she's got red hair hair. she's got red hair but the um purple vag fur so the carpet does not match the drapes in fact uh but this purple fur apparently it's very uncommon amongst puppets so it gets it gets melissa mccarthy thinking like that's that's pretty rare and then she thinks oh wait when was the last time i saw purple hair on a puppet and it was actually the daughter of the young of the man who Phil accidentally killed at the very beginning of the movie. The thing that like sparked all this controversy about puppet cops and all that. So they they finally figure out that it's not anybody thing to do with the Happy Timers. It's this girl who essentially wants revenge for Phil killing your father. Uh, I know I've seen it before in movies, but. It takes a special kind of crazy to have sex with a person that you're trying to set up or to kill. Like I know I've seen that before in a few movies, but they do in the Bond movies. Some of the some of the villains are the women and the villains. That didn't sound right. Some of the women villains in Bond movies they sleep with Bond, and then it turns out like, oh, I'm the evil genius. Yeah, or, sometimes I'm the next working morning, for yeah. the evil genius. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the next morning they he wakes up with a gun to his head. So I think. Yeah, now at this point, the plot's been revealed, and he goes, and they chase her to the airport. And at the airport, uh, we, she obviously gives her little little anti-Phil speech and tells him everybody why she did it. But we also find out that Elizabeth Banks is not dead, not blown up in a car, but she's been working with this puppet the whole time. So that was my initial thought when... When I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, it has to be the stripper. And in a sense it was, but it turns out she was just kind of getting played. Like, I forget what the story was that the puppet told her, but it wasn't the actual truth as to why she was, was just taking money. down these guys. Yeah, I think it was probably just money, which is 
Which is fine. Um, yeah, so they get to the the airport, and this puppet reveals her identity. And Elizabeth, apparently she's married to Elizabeth Banks, which means she's been setting this up for even longer than we would guess in the first place. I forget exactly how it goes. Oh, I remember exactly how it goes down. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a like almost a shot for shot recreation of the first scene where Melissa McCarthy gets held hostage. She's got a gun to her head with the puppet using her as like a human body shield, and Phil has to make the shot. He has to shoot another puppet, and I mean he he does so successfully that you get the the cotton brains blowing out the back of the puppet's <laughs> head. And I mean the movie's essentially over at that point, except you know you kind of get the. The congratulations, Phil. You just you did it. I'm gonna see about getting you reinstated back on the force. And Joe McHale is kind of mad that he didn't solve the case. And he goes, blah blah blah. I'm in the FBI. And Frank goes, what does that stand for? A fucking big idiot. And <laughs> I don't know that that's like the most well written line in the movie, but it definitely got a chuckle out of me. So, was there anything else about the plot of this movie that you wanted to touch on, Brad? Um, I mean, I think we summed it up pretty well. It's it's one of those. If you were to take out all the puppets and replace them with humans, it'd be a a basic crime movie that we've seen over and over and over. And yeah, over. it would be it'd be pretty generic movie. I don't think I think it would. Well, it would be worse than what it is now. I'm not saying that I think it's like a particularly bad movie, but it would be there'd be nothing special about it. I'd have to say, like yeah, it's it would be like a, a episode of CSI or something. But but the fact that they added the puppets into it really just kind of. It just sets it apart. It's so different. It's an all. It's a. It's a branch off of the old crime stories, and in filmmaking, you always want to try something new, and it might not always work. But for me, this movie worked. I mean, granted, yeah, it's not my favorite movie, but I've seen it at least three times now, and in, in the last two years. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I want you to give me your best, your worst, and your weirdest about the Happy Time Gang or the Happy Time Murders. All right. Okay. I'm going to go with the the best moment. Man, that's tough because there's so many really good moments in this movie. But And like there's my, there's my favorite moment, but I don't think it's the best moment. I think the best moment is probably the, the sex scene. Okay. I mean, it's still my favorite, but just the fact that some dude had to whip around a, a can of Silly String and pretend that it's a dude jizzing all over the room. And then he calms down like you think it's over. And then he does it again, uh-huh. which doesn't normally happen with humans. Yeah. I don't know if that's a puppet thing. I think that's my best. The craziest part? Ooh. I think seeing Elizabeth Banks as a stripper. I don't think I've ever seen her in that kind of role. Yeah. I mean, I've seen her, like, you've seen her as an attractive woman in other roles, but shredding off a carrot into puppet yeah, she wasn't, only, she wasn't only like a stripper. She was like a dirty stripper, like too, a dirty which stripper, was, which yeah. was funny. And uh, she like she was she played that character well. She I don't know if she rehearsed it, but she did a good job. All right, and, and the worst, uh, I don't know if there is a worst because it was all so good. But I, I, I'd say, I mean, the worst murder I think would be the one being torn up by the dogs. There, fair enough. So uh, let's see for my best. I would honestly say it would be Maya Rudolph's character. I know we didn't touch a lot on Maya Rudolph, but she, she's got such a range. Like she does like, you know, movies where she sings, like she did the very Merry Christmas, which is one of my favorite Christmas things where she sings all the time. She's got an amazing voice. 
And then, but then she also plays this like super meek se- secretary character who I it, it just like it seems like a completely different person, which I guess is what the whole point of acting. But yeah, I really thought Maya Rudolph was great in this. Um, the worst was the puppet vagina, like the purple <laughs> puppet vagina. There was there was fair, pretty clearly a labia in there, and like if it was just muff, like if it was just hair, and it they were just trying to indicate that there was a, a vagina there sure but yeah i don't i don't need a puppet labia like um and the weirdest yeah i'd have to say the weirdest is just the fact that i was so thrown off by how unattractive that puppet character looked like they they were clearly trying to make her like the classic noir like attractive girl in need that uh was there and just like Something about the eyes and the face of that puppet was just like she didn't like I couldn't view her as an attractive human. If I tried to like image her as a human, it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work for me. Like I'm sure that probably comes across as misogynistic. But hey, this is absurdist asylum. Not saying that we're misogynists. Uh, I but I I think that was it was just off putting in in the movie to me. Like if you're going to have a character like that, who's the idea is to make her attractive. I don't know. I feel like I've seen attractive puppets before. I think that says something weird about me, but <laughs> I don't know. It just it just didn't work for me. Not saying that I was like watching this movie to get off, but I, I, they definitely took all, like a lot of female attributes and tried to like blow them up. Like they gave her like big lips and bigger eyes, and they, she's like the only female puppet that had like a, a bust. So like I think that's what they were trying to go for, and like I get it, but yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't like oh that that's a hot puppet. <laughs> So on that strange note, Brad, you got anything else you want to say about this movie? I want to retract my last statement. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for stopping by the show. If you uh, want to check us out elsewhere, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Absurd Asylum. At Absurdist Asylum. You can email us at absurdasylum at gmail.com. And thanks for stopping by the show. Say goodbye to the people, Brad. Goodbye, people. Goodbye, people.